Today, on the Josh Towner Show, we're dialing up my buddy and Minnesota native Conrad to give our instant reactions to the Bears-Vikings Sunday night football game. Then, we'll talk about the Jimmy Butler trade and some other NBA tidbits. Welcome to the Josh Towner Show. I'm Josh Towner, journalism student and staff writer for QNS. I'm in my makeshift studio in Brooklyn. It is currently 10 minutes to midnight Eastern time. I've got Conrad on the line. Brad, what's happening? Well, just watching some gopher basketball as I drink my tears from the Vikings, just pooping on the field on offense for 45 to 50 minutes of that game. For those of you that weren't tracking, the Bears beat the Vikings, was it 25 to 20? on Sunday Night Football, and the Bears now hold the division crown. The Vikings are a game and a half back, and there are five games left in the season? Yeah, five games left. So I think my first takeaway from this Bears-Vikings game, especially on Sunday Night Football, is that it is quarter-zip season. Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth were both wearing quarter zip sweaters tonight and i don't think we should shy away from that (laughs) and the implications that it has that could have a real ripple effect for broadcasting in the nfl coming up i mean i i don't know what to say to that i i didn't think about their wardrobe as i was watching i kept having to listen to my dad complain about collinsworth the whole game and i was just like what (laughs) what why are we so fascinated with complaining about announcers i i don't really get it i think i think collinsworth is great i think uh Joe Buck is great, contrary to many people's disagreements, but, you know, maybe they... I'll tell you, I'm not big on Joe Buck. I like Collinsworth. If your dad wants to complain about announcers, tell him he should watch Monday Night Football more. (laughs) Well, another problem, yeah, my dad's not watching Monday Night Football. (laughs) So is Jason Witten and whoever else they have sitting on that platform with him. I, I know, mean, yeah. The lone standout for Monday Night Football is Booger McFarlane yeah. and his sideline machine. Yeah, I, I, I'm i not a big Monday Night Football fan either. I miss John Gruden. I, I don't miss John Gruden. I would still rather have the current setup. I think, I think you trade out Gruden's grinder for Booger McFarlane and a carousel on the sideline. And I'll, I'll take that trade any day of the week. The carousel. He's, he's got... I mean, what is that thing he's got? They, they had to, they had to uh, trim it down a little bit to get rid... Really? They had, they had to get rid of a TV, I think, because uh, the people who were paying for the seats right at the 50-yard line were complaining that they couldn't watch mm-hmm. the game. Which I guess is a fair... I mean, it's fair, I guess. I mean... Yeah, it's fair, I mean... How, how many complaints do you think ESPN's gotten? They're saying, hey, some guy named Booger is sitting in front of me on the sideline here. I paid good money for these tickets. Exactly. Exactly. I don't want my football experience being ruined by some guy named Booger. Let me watch a, Let me watch them crush their skulls without having to watch through Booger McFarlane. I think that's a fair uh, complaint. <laughs> I feel like with Bears-Vikings tonight, whichever team was going to win, it was going to be because they got lucky, almost. I don't feel like either team really deserved to win that game <laughs> because Mitchell Trubisky tried, I think, to lose that game at some points. And then Kirk Cousins also tried to lose the game. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, we call that yeah. we call that football here in America. Once you think you have the league figured out... <laughs> Don't worry, Broncos will beat the Chargers for you. <laughs> or next thing you know, look out, Buffalo will beat New York Jets 38 to 10. I mean, yeah, football is yeah. super random like that where, you know, you never know what team might show up. I mean, it seemed like the Al Michaels and Collinsworth were praising the Bears the whole time. And it was like, well, I mean. I don't think the mm-hmm. Bears are playing their best football by any stretch. But no. then again, 
I, I, I mean, I don't think the Vikings, are, they didn't play nearly. I mean, that's the Kurt, that's yeah. the Kirk Cousins that everybody was worried about when we they signed him to that <laughs> big contract, right? He's like, <laughs> yeah, he he could do a lot of good things, but he also has that kind of Jay Cutler, Kirk Cut, like you know, he's just he's got that decision making and turnover prone at the end of games. Yeah. And I think we saw a little bit of uh, the other side of Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. I'd still much rather have him than Case Keenum, but it's still, it's yeah, I, I would agree. It's still Kirk Cousins, though. Although, I mean, Case Keenum, big big drives against the Chargers late in the game today. Yeah, for uh, for me and the four other people watching that game. You know, I think I think the biggest, including including everyone at the StubHub Stadium. Yes. You know, I think the biggest thing is like when we're. When we're all dead a thousand years later and the aliens come down and they're trying to figure out football and they turn they turn to that uh, 2018 NFL season and they they look at the mm-hmm. season and they look at the standings and then they go back week one and they're like, wait a minute, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the New Orleans Saints? How how do you explain yep. that? How do you explain that? Fitz magic. Mm-hmm. Just some fits magic yeah, I mean, in your looked, face. <laughs> I think I think the aliens would give up trying to figure out football if they looked at week one of this season compared to the rest of the NFL because they're like, okay, so Tampa Bay is the best team on the face of the earth and the Pittsburgh Steelers are tying the Cleveland Browns. Exactly. Did that also? I feel like yeah, that, that happened week, week one, one too. Like yeah. <laughs> well, the, Saint, the Saints haven't lost. I think, they haven't lost since they got Fitzmagic in Week One, right? Nine and one. Yeah, the Saints are a good football team. But how many how many people are so easy to write it off? Oh, there's the Saints again. No defense, as always. Their defense lets them down again. The Saints have a solid defense. They do. They did last year too. They really, yeah, they did last year. Last year they were more of a running and defense team than anything, which is odd considering. They're, you know, Drew Brees and Michael Thomas. Again, this year now, they're just firing on all cylinders. I mean, they were they were borderline mean to the Philadelphia Eagles yeah, today. Yeah, today they were. Uh, so, how was the uh, M- Mitchell Trubisky experience going for you this year? I like him a lot more than I did last year. We're doing our best, you know. We put all these weapons around him. We got... Matt Nagian, who I think is a solid coach, uh, he's had a couple questionable games this season, but overall he's been he's been pretty good. Um, Mitchell is so baffling. You and I were talking earlier, and you compared him to Blake Bortles, and I think on one hand that's a little bit mean, but on the other hand that's also very accurate. In that in this one game we saw him run like he was. Cam Newton, and I mean, he had a couple decent throws, but then he was also throwing just these boneheaded interceptions, and it was so baffling, and it's it's almost like the Bortles thing, where the Bears are winning despite Mitchell Trubisky right now. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of just poking fun at the Bear, mm-hmm. the, be a Bears fan as yourself, saying he's Blake Bortles. I mean, he's not, he's not really Blake Bortles, he just... No, you don't fe- a lot less pick sixes. You don't fear him though. Like when he like when he drops back, I'm kind of like, okay, Mm-mm. well, he might throw he might throw an interceptable pass here. The first read is usually his only. Yeah, is if the first read's open, he's gonna take it. it usually doesn't scare you after that. And then, but yeah, mm-hmm. he he's a lot better runner than I thought too. He definitely extends yeah. plays. I think it was it a couple weeks ago. He had like that touchdown where he ran around the field for like 80 yards and then yeah he had like a 54 yard run that was only i mean and that was that was just going straight forward it was 54 yards yeah yeah but like wasn't it only like a i thought that was cool how i thought it was cool that nbc pulled out that tracker tonight how they how they have like oh look he actually ran 39 yards to get 12 on this play 
Yeah, didn't Trubisky have one where it was like 78 yards he actually ran, but it was actually like a 10-yard run or something earlier this year? I don't know. Okay. I I mean, that sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, mean, that's kind of what I mean when he was Blake Bortles. It's like Blake Bortles, like one of the reasons why he was so effective last year for Jacksonville was because he could run too. Like he, mm-hmm. he's yeah, another guy underrated as a runner. He's not going to scare you throwing the football, and he's another guy. If, no, like if the first read's not there, you. Michael Lombardi always calls Bortles the great equalizer because the how good Jacksonville, <laughs> how good Jacksonville it was on defense last year. The only reason why, uh, the games the Jaguars played were close was because they had Blake Bortles as their quarterback throwing it to the other team. Yep. So I don't think I don't think. Trubisky's quite at that level because he's had a five no. a five touchdown game, a four touchdown game. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's definitely flashes in the pan, but he's definitely got I mean, a lot he was of work the NFC, to do. He was the NFC Offensive Player of the Week at coming off that win against Detroit. Yeah, and so I'll have a game like that, and then I'll have a game like tonight where he's got like 145 passing yards and two touchdowns. But then also a touchdown, and he's like, stat-wise, he looks pretty okay. I think he's got now 20 touchdowns and nine interceptions, which is a fine ratio. But every time you watch him make a throw, like late in the game, every time he dropped back to pass, I was scared that he was going to throw a pick. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I think... And for uh, if you're a Vikings fan, every time Kirk Cousins drops back, you're afraid it's going to be a strip sack fumble. So <laughs> I guess that's the that's the worlds we're both living in as a Bears fan and a mm-hmm. Vikings fan. It was a very nerve wracking game. I never really felt felt confident that the Bears were going to be ahead, especially after Trubisky started. Uh, like as soon as he threw that pick into triple coverage, trying to force it to Taylor Gabriel. Which, by the way, he was really close to completing that pass, but still don't throw into triple coverage, you know? As soon as he made that play, I knew. I was like, I am not going to feel safe until there are zero seconds left on the game clock. Yeah, well, again, the Vikings couldn't do anything against the Bears' defense the whole game until Mm -hmm. the end when I think the Bears kind of let up maybe a little bit because they had the yeah. the 16-point lead. but mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Vikings started you know running a faster-paced offense and running a lot more out routes, too. That, that more dink-and-dunk kind of style of play, and I think that works better against the Bears than trying to run Dalvin Cook on the edge. Yeah, I think the Vikings didn't seem to get... They got. I know they got Diggs loose a couple times, but they really didn't get Thielen loose that much either. I was Mm-mm. noticing that he wasn't quite focal in the offense as much as he has yeah. been at the start of the year. But that, I mean, we also controlled time of possession really well. That Bears defense is suffocating, though. It's just you can't you can't do anything against them. It seems like it's a lot like. Bears defenses in the past. Mm-hmm. Got, it's nice to have that back. It feels good to have a good defense. Like that, when Eddie Jackson made that pick six, or like when suddenly the Bears turn the ball over and, and the Vikings have it on the, th- they're on the Bears 35, and you can just know you can trust Akeem Hicks to come in and get that eight-yard sack to push it back for a field goal. Yeah. Like... Yeah, it's a good, it's a good safety net. Yeah, the Vi- I mean, the Vikings had some costly turnovers in the red zone too. They had that Dalvin Cook fumble, mm-hmm. and that's probably some points. Yeah, that early one. And I think Cousins threw a pick, and that that could have been points too. So, yeah, I mean, you definitely. I think if that Dalvin Cook fumble doesn't happen, I think the Vikings win this game. I mean, I wouldn't because I, mean, I think at that point you had the momentum going forward, and then that fumble flipped the game on its head the Vikings were they're almost stunned yeah it's tough that Mitchell could hand them the ball like that yeah it's tough to say that of course but it definitely wasn't a positive for the Vikings for sure 
The Bears are back. I'm ecstatic. Good, a good Bears I'm team. I'm very happy. The Bears are good again, ladies and gentlemen. The Bears are good again. The, the Bears tank is over, and the the Cubs sit on a precipice of uncertainty right now. Oh, stop. And the Bulls are tanking. I'm so done with this Bulls. The Blackhawks are the tanking. Cubs. The Cubs are fine. The Cubs are fine. I, I read a little bit too much. The Cubs have one of the highest payrolls in baseball. If, if, they're, if they're not good, that, that's that on them. Do. Yeah, you know what? You got a point. Yeah, so the, the, the Cubs just got screwed by baseball's rules, right? They had the best record in the National League, and then they get thrown into yep. this one game for all, and they happen to lose it. I mean, that's that's just baseball. Yeah. I mean, we hired a guy named Chili Davis. Or, sorry, I think we fired a guy yeah. named Chili, Chili Davis. Chili Davis. Which, I mean... He was too old school, know. apparently. Too old school. Pretty sure... Not enough on that launch angle science. Ch- Chili Davis. He played for the Twins a little <laughs> bit, too. He was on the 91 team. Why do you know that? Why do why do why, why? why do you know that Chili Davis played on the ninety one Minnesota Twins? Because <laughs> I'm a Twins fan. What? It's nineteen ninety one. What were the ninety one Twins a remarkable team? He had a, anyway? he had a good year. Fourteenth in the MVP. He had twenty nine home runs, ninety three RBIs. <laughs> I pulled it up right now. <laughs> Okay. He hit t- did you just Google Chili Davis's name and then find out he was a twin, or did you already know that? Okay, here's what happened. You said Chili Davis, and I knew he was fired, and I had a, I had a itch. I had an inkling that he was on the Twins. So I quickly pulled it up on Baseball Reference, and hey, sure enough, two-time twin. And of course, two, Chili two Davis. Two years for the Twins. And then <laughs> it says he played 1991-1992, and hey, they played... They won the World Series in 1991. So you put two and two together. Chili Davis, world champion. Don't disrespect my man. All right. Okay, I'll leave Chili Davis alone. He's got a cool name. (laughs) He's got a great name. Great name. (laughs) I don't like Chili, though. He he does. I I don't like Chili. Okay, well, that's a personal decision. But you like Chili as a name, at least. Yes. Uh, would you ever name a child Chili Davis? No, I not even Chili Davis, just Chili. I would name my child as Drubal, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> glad you glad you've got it all planned out. Three-time um, world champion Chili Davis. Put some respect on the man's name. I do respect his name. That's about the only thing I respect about him at the moment. I but. just disrespect him as a hitting coach. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's move on from Chili Davis. Don't cut that. Don't this you dare cut that. Rail. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on now to talk about some basketball. Uh, we're not going to talk gopher basketball, though. Let's talk now about a guy named Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, as I talked about on my pod last week, was traded to the Philadelphia 76ers and a couple of guys, uh, including, I I guess, the big get of this whole trade, Gerard Bayless, went back to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I have not watched any Timberwolves basketball since the trade, and I've watched a little bit of 76ers basketball after the trade. So what do the Wolves look like? In the post Jimmy Butler era, they look uh, they look a lot more fun than they did with Jimmy Butler, and I think that was kind of a constant theme you saw throughout the year. Even when Jimmy was on the team, Jimmy would sit out games. He would be on the bench, and the team would just play better. They would move the ball better. They would try more. I think I, I think he was just kind of a mm. just kind of this sour, bad tasting dude in the locker room that just kind of hanged over the team Hmm. at the start of the year and kind of sucked the energy out. And now, I mean, with any trade like that, I mean, we've we've seen it happen before. I think even when Sacramento traded Bookie Cousins to the Pelicans a few years ago, 
the Kings started playing a little better and everybody was like, well, maybe the Kings will still make their push to the playoffs without Cousins. Well, no. No, I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> and I'm not ready to pencil in the Timberwolves as having a significantly better record than they would have had with Jimmy Butler, but they, they look they look more they look like they're having more fun. And I mean it definitely the trade was overdue by very much a so. wide margin. Tibbs's and Glenn Taylor's strategy that just dysfunction across the board. I mean, was there a strategy? Apparently, because I, I don't think they really yeah. had a strategy. Yeah, and reports of you know Glenn Taylor almost firing Tibbs in the off season, and you know Tibbs saying that. You know, if we wait just a little longer, we'll get better deals. I mean, it just seems like nothing panned out either way. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know if Tibbs will last long in Minnesota anyway. But the the way the Jimmy Butler trade happened this year doesn't bode well for him by any stretch. I don't think. Nobody walks away. Nobody agree. walks away from the Jimmy Butler trade thinking, "Oh, you know, you know what organization really looks like they have it together? The Minnesota Timberwolves." <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> no, they they really they don't look like they have it together, but they look like they're having fun playing basketball. Which I guess, as a team that's built solely on or pretty much now solely on young guys, as much as Tibbs will try and play his thirty-five-year-old vets. They look like they're having fun again. I, I think I saw Carl Anthony Towns smile for the first time in probably six or seven months. Yeah, no, the Wolves, I, I like, like the Wolves roster. They're happy I like now. the Wolves roster right now. I think they... They've got a lot of solid Yeah, pieces. the best, I mean, they they could maybe compete, maybe sneak in at eight. I, I doubt it, but I mean... They could. they could. They definitely could. They they have. I won't put. They it have too many them. guys that expect to play right now. I think they have. They have eleven mm. guys who I think Tib said the other night that we have eleven guys who could play, but no one. You can't really play eleven guys in the NBA. You have to. I think it was Jimmy that said that. You have that. to play like nine or ten, or eight or eight or nine. Yeah. And so, right now it's Josh Akogi and. Um, Anthony Tolliver, who aren't playing right now, soon probably to be Gorgie mm. Jang. Gorgie Jang has had a rough couple games, a rough start. Yeah. So maybe possibly another trade will be made, getting rid of maybe a, a bench guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I mean, Derek Rose's redemption season has been fun for now, but we'll see how long it lasts. I mean... He's been sitting out games because of knee soreness, so, I mean... Yep, general soreness, reporting for duty. But, I mean, for all the, for all the D- Derrick Rose haters out there, he's played, he's played good this year. You can't, you can't argue with that. He is playing well. Um, I guess you can argue that he shouldn't be playing as much as he should be, but, I mean, the production is there, so... It's Tibbs. I mean, Tibbs is, he's yeah. resurrected Derrick Rose a little bit. You got to give him credit for that. <laughs> it's something Tibbs has done routinely, especially in his time with Chicago, was to resurrect these old left for dead point guards. I mean, how many guys, I, let me think here, of just guys that he kept playing at the point guard position? Nate Robinson. DJ Augustine. <laughs> was phenomenal with the Bulls. DJ Augustine, Aaron Brooks, John Lucas III, Kirk Heinrich. I think he got the last good years of C.J. Watson. Tibbs is no, he's no stranger to rehabilitating point guards. It's almost poetic. No. The Derrick Rose thing. And I think, I think the biggest concern with Derrick Rose and why everybody was so I would I would say Mad would be putting it lightly when the Wolves signed him last year was because he doesn't stay healthy and he takes mm-hmm. a lot of bad shots and his advanced stats weren't good and his defense I mean 
when he was when he was rolling when he had his MVP year in Chicago, he was actually a good defender. Now he can't guard a stick, and that's I mean that's <laughs> really that that really hurts him too, especially if you roll him out in the bench unit with Tyus and Rose. I mean that's 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 not the defensive yeah. backcourt that's gonna. It's not really an all clamps. Yeah, lineup, that's not. No. I mean the Wolves aren't really all clamps team anyway. There's a lot of positivity finally with the Timberwolves, which is good to see. I think it's. I, I'm happy that the trade finally happened. We can get it passed. We can start. You know, we have Wiggins and we have mm-hmm. Wiggins and Towns and Sarich and Covington. We have most of their contracts are till 2021, 2022. So I mean, you got you got your nucleus right there, and now it's just hoping that they can grow together and maybe turn into. Yeah, somewhat a contender when the Warriors break up or something mm-hmm. happens. You, you just never know. Well, you have that's that's pretty much the entire NBA. You have NBA a cornerstone. You have right a cornerstone in Carl Anthony Towns. To so die. I mean, yeah. you just got to keep rolling with that. I would say to put it in the most cliche way that I can before we move on to the 76ers is that it feels like a big weight has been lifted from this Timberwolves franchise. Yes, and KG is finally back in the stadium, going to games. He is so back. Everybody's happy. It's good to see. Everybody's happy, yeah. Let's flip it to the 76ers who have struggled to integrate Jimmy Butler. Now, obviously, it's a lot harder to put Jimmy Butler into a team than it is to put Robert Covington into a team. But what do you think the the 76ers look like moving forward? Do you think that Jimmy Butler will figure out how to play crunch time with Ben Simmons or because right now you the way you look at it Simmons and Jimmy except for that they had that Hornets game where I think they both played decently well together but it looks too crowded on the floor right now which was my fear and a lot of people's fears with Jimmy a a pretty much a not great three-point shooter moving in to play on the same team as now, Ben Simmons, who refuses to be a shooter, and Markel Fultz, who has forgotten how to be a shooter. And I think their team is just too crowded. they got to get some shooters in there. Yeah, they don't, they don't have any shooting, and they don't have any depth right now. So, I mean, they gotta, mm-hmm. they got to work the buyout market like they did last year, I think, when they got Elias yeah. Silva and Bellinelli, who really helped them towards the end of the year and really become the team that they were in the playoffs, which, I mean, they, 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 they Celtics beat him in five, but they were, they, there were some competitive games in that series. It wasn't like the, the Celtics blew the doors off them. No, and they didn't just roll over. I no. think the, the, the Simmons and bead, uh, coexisting has been interesting to watch. And then you add Jimmy Butler into that. And I just, I mean that's that's a compos- that's a combustible locker room, and especially with I would say very much with so. the with the Markel Fultz thing. I mean, how much of I mean, the guy's untradeable at this point? He can't he can't do anything that resembles a competent basketball player right now, and it's so confusing to see. Markel. I mean, it's like you said you they roll they roll out the, they roll out these lineups where it's like well. They don't have any shooting, and if you think Jimmy Butler is just gonna stand in the corner and play off the ball, well, you haven't been watching Jimmy Butler in the past <laughs> five years, and so I mean, yeah. And then if Jimmy Butler needs the ball, what's Ben Simmons gonna do? Because he can't really do anything without yeah. the ball. I mean, I said this uh, on Twitter. I think I said like the Timberwolves finally made the Butler trade, and you know they can build around their young guys and Sarge can finally replace Gorgie Jang in the lineup. And if you're a Sixers fan, well, I guess that second round series, you'll lose in seven games instead of five games. I mean, I don't see, <laughs> I don't see that. I don't see them better than Toronto. I don't see them better than Milwaukee. No. I don't see them better than even Boston or maybe I don't, I mean, it would be, I don't think they're better yeah, than Indiana. I was going to say Indiana either. I mean, Joel Embiid has been really solid this year, and put, putting up MVP type numbers, but he's also mm-hmm. trying to get the MVP numbers. 
So, <laughs> I mean... I mean, that usually works for guys trying to win the MVP. Worked for Harden. It definitely worked for Russell Westbrook. That's true. I mean, where where were the Russell Westbrook MVP votes last year when he averaged a triple-double? I didn't see them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's I true. I mean, right now, so... Uh, he also had more the help. The Sixers are 10th in defense and 19th in offense, so... Their offensive Ooh. struggles are showing up, not even the eye test, yeah. but also in the what they're ranked. You need more people than JJ Redick to shoot threes. And, yeah, and I don't, I don't know, because you're not going to see Bellinelli or Ilyasova in the buyout market. I wonder what shooters really are there going to be available. Yeah. Well, and a lot of whispers about Trevor Ariza. I don't know about that one. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's like it's the, you, you want to bring in Mellow? Mm, mm, <laughs> mm. <laughs> because Philadelphia needs that. Uh, but you look at the depth, too, is a definitely an issue when you're trying out Mike Muscala's corpse for 15 minutes a night. <laughs> right, didn't, he, didn't he start against Charlotte? I mean, shout out to Roseville, but I mean, <laughs> Muscala... Muscala playing an MB in, yeah, he played thirty six minutes against Charlotte, two of two of eight shooting. <laughs> I mean, that, Wilson Chandler is the one that I've heard might be their savior. He's on a minute restriction right now, I think, coming back from an injury. But <sighs> on a team that has Ben Simmons, Joel and Embiid, Amir, and Jimmy Butler, I I would not want Wilson Chandler to be my savior. I mean, Amir Johnson. Trotting up and down the court, I mean, you got that going for you too, I guess. I I just don't don't <laughs> know. I don't know you. where you turn it for depth. You have Embiid, Simmons, Butler, Reddick, and then you have the rest of your roster is not not great. It is not great at all. <laughs> not great. I should say. I mean, especially after that trade, they're they're a lot more thin right now, and it's confusing to see. I think they had to make that move for Butler. They had to they had to get more all in, but they I, might have shot themselves in the foot though. I don't I don't like it. Yeah, I think it's like the chance you almost had to take, but also it's very. It's like you said, it's a very combustible. That, I mean. All hope isn't lost, though. I mean, they they might figure it out and wheel off a winning streak here. I mean, the East is is rough. The East has some teams that you can definitely mm-hmm. feast on. You got the Bulls, Knicks, you got the Cavaliers, you got the Hawks. The yeah, Hawks. You got, you got plenty of teams that, I mean, LeBron James did it for <laughs> the last four years. In Cleveland, you mm-hmm. know, his regular seasons weren't yeah. outstanding. I think no. in the playoffs, this and a lot of those wins came against Eastern Conference yeah. teams that are. I think. Very I think beatable. the play in the playoffs. I think Philly might be fine. You got because you have you have you have those three stars, and stars mm-hmm. matter in the when the game slows down and you need somebody to create their own Not shot they do. and. In a seven-game series, that might that might beat an Indiana or a Toronto or a Boston. I mean, you don't know. You just don't know. What about reports with Sacramento that Dave Jurger is on the hot seat for playing veterans over Marvin Bagley, who I think we can safely say definitely should not have been drafted second overall. Dave Yeager is... Wait, are we talking about Dave Yeager or Tom uh, Thibodeau? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just bring in another Wolves coaching reference, okay? Hey, Dave Yeager, he's from Minnesota. Got to keep it. Got to keep it in the family. He was rumored to get the I job. Mean, when's the last time Sacramento was five? Uh, two thousand and six. Especially sixteen games into the season. Two thousand six. When they made sure. the playoffs. Sure. <laughs> and now they want to fire the head coach that has got them there? Yeah, I don't know. What? I, I don't know. I don't know what the Vlad Favre... I don't know I what mean, the Vlad Favre's got up his sleeve, but... Mm. 
It doesn't seem like it's pocket uh, aces. I, Brad, I think the Vladfather's wearing a tank top. I don't think he has sleeves. That's fair. That is a fair correction by you. That is a very fair correction. What about Utah? Utah right now, I they're 8-8. Eight eight. They're kind of had it sputtered. Utah's 8-8. Eight eight. Um, they've been a little bit dinged up and... It's kind of the same thing that happened to them last season. They started slowly, and uh, uh, Utah is the kind of team that I feel like is just going to grind out games. They're not going to really blow teams out of the water. Excuse me. I mean, I, I mean, they dropped that game to Dallas by fifty, but I feel like they compete in most games, and they're the kind of team that will just feast in the second half of the season when injuries come and guys start to rest more. So I'm not, I'm not too concerned with Utah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just concerned about just how stacked the West is right now. Like, dang. It is crazy. uh, You got the, the uh, Portland and uh, Golden State are tied for one. And then four and a half games out is the 14th (laughs) place Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, yeah, that's, like that's crazy that you were like, are you worried about Utah? They're eight and eight. And at first I was like, well, maybe. And then I was like, oh, but they're also three games out of first place. Yeah, yeah I, I know. I was thinking that, too, is like pretty pretty much the only bottom feeder right now in the West is the Suns. And even the, I mean, the Suns are mm-hmm. not they're They're a fun team. I, I mean, they got a lot of good young. They're watchable. Yeah, I would say. But, I mean, you had some, a lot of people predicting Utah to be, like, you know, second or third in the conference. And, I mean, they, they're they just slow start. They had a game recently, though, so maybe they're turning the, mm-hmm. they're turning the tide. I think it's really interesting to see who will win the East, I think. Because I think every, even though the West is interesting, I think we're all still saying that the Warriors are winning the West, the championship, yeah. and, and everything. But, mm-hmm. I mean, they're on a three-game losing streak for the first time ever. But that's that's. Really I mean, I nothing. think the clubhouse leader might be the uh, the Bucks. I really like the way the Bucks have been playing to start the year. I think Giannis MVP, mm-hmm. and they have shooting around Giannis. I mean, yeah, they have, finally. It's crazy what exactly. a good coach will do. And the way Brooke Lopez, oh my goodness. <laughs> Brooke Lopez. The the Bulls played the Bucks uh, on Friday night. Oh, sure you and I was watching the Blackhawks game, but keeping along with the score, and the Bulls were up like 63 to 41, or maybe it was 63 to 45 at the half, and I saw somebody put out a poll on Twitter that was, do you expect the Bulls to win tonight? They're up by this much at the half, like 20 points at the half. And 88% of the people voted, no, I don't expect the Bulls to win tonight. And the Bulls ended up losing by like 20 20? points. Yeah, they were up by 20, and I voted (laughs) no. I did not expect the Bulls to win. And the Bulls lost by about 20. So that just goes to show you how good Milwaukee is, that they can just on a dime, swing the game by 40 points. Yeah, they have, I mean, Giannis is obviously what makes them go. They have Middleton, who's a good wing player. Bledsoe and Brogdon are good guards to have. Bledsoe's been playing Brooke pretty Lopez solid. Is a stretch year. five. I think he wants Henson, to be there. Henson's shooting threes this year. They got... Which is very Snell surprising. and Connington are their, their comp. They're competent NBA players. Mm-hmm. DiVincenzo is hey, don't don't sleep Di on DiVincenzo. Is a nice yeah, rookie. he's been playing good too. I mean, this team is a sleeping giant, or maybe I mean, maybe not are, a giant, but they're maybe just a giant. They could win the East. They they could very well win the East. I mean, I don't, um, I'm gonna vent for just a couple seconds about my Chicago okay. Bulls. So I, I hope you don't mind. All right. Uh. I was looking at some advanced stats yesterday, and the Chicago Bulls are tied for the most games lost to injury this season. 
Now, we would still be awful if our guys were healthy. But we just played Saturday night against Toronto. And we lost by 20 to Toronto, who did not have Kawhi Leonard. it was 30, but... But notably, it was 30? Gosh. It was... We also did not have Chris Dunn, our starting point guard, Zach Levine, our starting shooting guard. We didn't have Laurie Markkinen, our starting power forward. And we didn't have two of our top three guys off the bench in Denzel Valentine and Bobby Portis. And yes, the Bulls are bad and they're not fun to watch. Cameron Payne who was out of the lineup, is now back in the lineup because we are so mm. injured. How's that Felicio contract but working I, out? Like, I don't... Uh, what does it matter? We're paying Jabari Parker <laughs> $20 million this year. I, I, would, I would like to say Jabari Parker is, like, one of the better first-quarter players. He'll come out and go, like, 7 mm. for 12. And then at the end of the game, he's, like, 9 for 21 or something. But I think he's replaced James Harden as the watch this guy not play mm. defense player in the NBA. Yeah, he's... Maybe it's just because I'm so inundated with, with Bulls Twitter right now. He's out there I to get buckets. Pretty much one clip per game of someone being like, wow, look at Jabari on this help defense, and then he just kind of turns and stares at the corner as the guy runs around him. Yeah, no, the Bulls the Bulls are not... They're, they're not good right now. They're, they're not good. They're not good. And... I, I, I know what you're saying though. The, the the injuries to their young guys who you want to see play and want to see develop is not helping mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> I don't I don't really want to see Jabari Parker play. Which I mean I know he's technically one of our younger players, but I none of me wants Jabari on this team. I do like seeing Robin Lopez get minutes though. There was a stretch against the Raptors where he scored. Uh, he had scored nine of the Bulls' last eleven, uh, and he also made a three-pointer in that game. And it feels almost like when Robin comes in the game, it's like it's almost like a halftime show, where they're like, "Oh well, you know what? We'll give you guys this one. You can have some fun for now." And then, you know, there's Robin. He'll make a three, and he'll have his crazy hair. He'll, he'll probably say something mean to somebody while he's on the floor, and then he leaves, and then we're back to watching, like, Ryan Archie Diacono and Antonio Blakeney trade ISO possessions. Chicago Bulls, first in attendance right now, though. It's really painful. People really are painful. watching the games. People yes, are going to are. the United Centers. People are watching the games. People. Yes, they are, because the tickets are so cheap. <laughs> I'm... I'm... I'm looking to get tickets to Kings Bowls in December, and those tickets are already down to thirteen dollars. How's uh, Wendell Carter though? Are you are you still high on him? Wendell Carter is amazing. On Instagram every week, the NBA Instagram page releases like they'll do their top scores uh, like per game and total and assists per game and total and so on down the stat line. And then they'll do that for just all players, and then they'll do it for rookies. And Wendell Carter is now on almost every list. Like, he's up, I think he's tied for fifth with points. Uh, He's on the board, I think maybe in fifth again with assists. He's like second for rebounds right now, and he's first for blocks. The only thing he's not on is steals. So, Wendell Carter's amazing. Everything he says in press conferences is amazing. He's so mature. Like he's like, I, I don't feel like I'm able to talk up as a rookie, but it's just hard because it's not like the players get mad at each other; they get mad at themselves. Is a quote that he had today, I think. And at 19, I mean, he's. I think Robin Lopez is up this year, and he currently owns the title as Team Dad. I think Wendell Carter is ready to pick up the mantle at the age of 19. Wow! High praise. High praise for the man. I gotta be excited about something right now. By the way, they by Toronto by 40. It was 122.83. Oh, it was 40. <laughs> Never mind. I take everything I just said back. Uh, at least you got Tyler Eulis on that two-way, well, though. 
Man, I am looking at the Spoils roster right now, and I don't know half of these guys. <laughs> let's 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 look at this. Both starters from last game: Cameron Payne and Ryan Archie Diacono, uh, two point guards. Uh, Drew Holiday, or not Drew, Justin Holiday, who I think is pretty solid, good defender, and uh, yeah, I mean, he made six. He was six for six from three in that first half against the Bucks the other night. Wendell Carter is wonderful. Jabari <laughs> Parker's the worst. <laughs> and then Cristiano Felicio, Taylor Hutchison, <laughs> Robin Lopez. Did you know who Shaquille Harrison mm, was? Out of the now? University until of Tulsa. Podcast? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> what about the? Did you know about Antonio Blakeney? Mm. Out of LSU, he's our irrational confidence guy right now. <laughs> yeah, the 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 renowned Antonio Blakey. There was a moment in Bulls Raptors when they panned over to the bench, and it mm. like physically pained yes. me to see our bench as they just panned down. We're getting blown out. Everybody looks sad, and then there's just four of our best seven players wearing slacks, a t-shirt, and a blazer. And then Zach Levine not even in the building because he's so sick. What about Chandler Hutchinson out of Boise State? It was painful. Chandler Hutchinson. Whenever you can, he's young. Whenever you can get somebody who played at Boise State, you got to get him. He's a really raw prospect. (laughs) Yeah, as as the uh, as the scouts always. Boise State, they powerhouse. Big, yeah, big basketball powerhouse known for that. Does uh. Does Boise State, do they also have a blue mm. basketball court? I am I not up to date on uh, Boise basketball uh, courts, jerseys, players. I think they made the tournament a, a few years ago and lost in the first four. But I could be wrong. So if there are any... Well, that's, uh, that's any more Boise than I know State about Boise fans State, listening, so. feel free to... Educate us on Boise State basketball. Let's go ahead and do some daily daps. My pick today is going to be Die Hard, the Christmas movie. I watched it last night to celebrate the holiday season, and I was reminded that, once again, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I, I put out a poll on Instagram seeing what the people thought of of Die Hard as a movie. And weirdly, like 32% of my voters thought that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. And to those people, I would just, I would like to say, first of all, you are incorrect. Second of all, why would you even think that it's not a Christmas movie? I, I feel like the only way you think Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie is if you haven't seen it. Because if, I mean, if you do see it, there are jingle bells just ringing all throughout the movie. There's this huge scene when they're opening the vault and you've got Christmas music blaring and the guy says, Merry Christmas. Like, why would you say that in a movie that's not a Christmas movie, you know? And lastly, the end credits to that movie are a Christmas song. And I don't know why you would close out a non-Christmas movie with Christmas music. So my recommendation for this week, go watch Die Hard especially if you haven't seen it, and just see for yourself why it is such a great Christmas movie. Boise State, a combined 0-7 in the tournament, last made it 2015, uh. lost in the first four to <laughs> Dayton. So I was right about that. They made the first four not too long ago. Oh, gosh. Was that the big um, Dayton year? I, I don't know. Anyway, what I've been enjoying lately has just been uh, – I read a book recently. I read um, The Soul of Basketball by Ian something or another. Hold on. <laughs> Ian, Ian Thompson? Thompson? Yeah, Ian Thompson. And it goes through it goes through the 2011 mm-hmm. NBA season. So it goes through the decision. All the way, and it, then it talks about okay. Bill Jackson's last season, 
it kind of Kobe's last Laker run as contenders, uh, the Celtics mm. and Doc Rivers, um, of course Dirk and the championship they won, and kind of kind of the the change yeah. in the guard in the NBA a little bit, um, how mm. kind of turned the Kobe's league into LeBron's league a little bit. Even though they lo- even though they lost the title that year, um, just really cool stories about just everything. I, I love a good um, recant of basketball history. One of my favorite books I read last year was Season on the Frank, and that was by David Halberstam, and that went through the 70, 79 Portland Trailblazers. And that was really cool too to see old NBA like that. So definitely check out a soul. The soul of basketball is what's yeah. Called. Check it out. All right, that's yeah, by T-H-O-M-S-E-N. Ian Thompson. S E N. Yeah, check it out. All right. Well, that'll do it for today's episode. Go watch Die Hard. Go read The Soul of Basketball. Uh, Rad, thanks for coming on, and go Bears. All right. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Josh Downer Show. This episode's music was composed by Jasper and is licensed under the Creative Commons. Today's episode was produced by me, Josh Towner, and recorded in beautiful downtown Brooklyn, New York. 